welcome to the Coon Hunting University podcast, where we'll discuss all things coon hounds, from competition hunting to pleasure hunting with family and friends. I'm your host, Alan Bridges, and we'll take an in-depth look at our hounds from the whelping box to the winter circle and all the stops in between. So grab your notebooks and your pencils because class is in session. Coonhunting University is brought to you by Superior Hunting Lights. Superior, step up to the max. Use discount code CHU Podcast at checkout on nighthunters.com. Conkey's Outdoors, hunting and hound supply store. We stand behind Conkey's and is the only hunting supply store that we personally recommend here at Coonhunting University. You can find out more at conkeysoutdoors.com or find them on Facebook, Conkey's Outdoors, and give them a like. And GNR Cedar Dog Boxes. They make a high quality cedar dog box at a great affordable price. If you're in the market for a new dog box, reach out to Gavin at 615-962-5266. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're back again. My cohorts, I don't know what their deal is, but they are having an issue about getting something recorded. I'm just kidding. Mason and Zach have have got a good one coming for you in just a little while, but y'all are stuck with me for the third week in a row. Today we have Philip King. He is the vice president of the United English Breeders and Fanciers Association. And Philip, how are you today? I'm wonderful. How are you, Alan? I'm doing good. I'm enjoying this hot weather. It's it's the summertime in Indiana too. <laughs> so philip tell us about yourself where are you from how'd you get involved with the sport well uh my name's philip king i'm 42 years old i'm originally from kodak tennessee it's a little community about seven miles outside of Sevierville, 10 miles outside of pigeon forge and gatlinburg i moved to southern indiana five years ago i live in a little town called new salisbury i'm married got three kids uh they're 12 eight and seven I got started, I guess, I've got two uncles, um, my mom's brother and my dad's brother. My uncle Phil, the one I'm named after, he was a, he was a red bone guy. He had a grand night female that won high scoring red bone in the world hunt in 1990. And uh, he was the first person to ever take me hunting with that dog. And he used to carry me to the local coon clubs and he quit and got out. And my mom's brother, Danny, I told him, I said, I'd like to have a coon dog. You know, I, I was just 12 or 13. And he went on the search, and I wound up with a blue dog that was a half-brother to Dark Blue Delta Dash. And I guess he was the first, I mean, coon trier that I'd ever really got to hunt with, that I really ever had of my own to start with. And, and, and he was a good one. Cold trailer, big mouth, you know that, you know the type. Yes, sir. So you traded in the Appalachian Mountains for the flatland where they grow corn and have lots of coons. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I, I I don't know how many people's done that before. I imagine there's a bunch. Um, the guy I hunt with, Gail Flowers, he did the same thing. It's uh, I don't know. It's East Tennessee is not country no more. It's got so built up, and you know, I went from having four places to hunt down there that I could hunt and not worry about my dog to having fifty farms I can hunt up here. I mean, it was a kind of a good trade off, if you ask me. Except for February, of course, it's cold. Except for February. It's cold, and it's cold in Tennessee in February, too. I'm, I'm yep. down here in Georgia, and it, it still gets cold here, but Indiana cold's a little bit different for me. You know, right here in southern Indiana where I'm at, I think we might have had two weeks last year that you couldn't hunt for the snow. 
but other than that, you know, the winters are pretty passable here. I don't live but about 30 miles from Louisville, Kentucky, 45, something like that. Okay. And uh, so I'm not that far out of the South. I got you. I got you. So getting in, getting involved with your, I guess you started with your family and, and mm-hmm. you know, you moved on from there. When did you start with the competition hunts? Oh, I started hunting hunts when I was 15, 16. Uh, I graduated from that blue dog to a little walker dog, got a Ken Maynard's burning Fort Casey dog. And I had, you know, I was just a kid starting out and I didn't know nothing, you know, just strike and treat my dog. I didn't know what I was doing. And I had that little female one win from being a night champion. And I got, we went to South Boston, Virginia pleasure hunting. And, uh, she got killed in the middle of Highway 58. They'd run a deer about two miles. I'd never seen her do that. I know everybody says that, but I hadn't. And uh, so I had to start all over again. And uh, my Uncle Phil had got back to hunting at this time, and we bought a, a little pup out of Briar Creek Snake from Jim Ridge. And uh, we started him, got him, you know, trained up, and uh, we granted him out. His name was Newt. And then we sold him and we went to, me and David Hurst went to Southeastern Tree and Walker days. I was looking for a dog. I, I was up about 19 about this time, or no, I was 18. And we were looking for a dog, and we were walking through the, the dog barn out there, and there was a Grand Night English dog for sale. Well, he had a pile of wind slips that would choke the mule, and I got to looking at him and talking to the guy. And uh, ended up, I went pleasure hunting with the dog, and I, I bought him. He was That was my introduction to the Gail Flowers is wildfire breeding. The dog, there was a dog called Deepwoods Blaze that I bought, and he'd come from right here within 10 miles of where I live now. And I got to hunting him up. He was a good dog, had a had a big year under him, go hunting. And uh, he would out hunt his mouth. That was his hole. And I hunted him all that spring, and I Ended up, I took him to the NKC World Hunt. NKC used to be a huge thing. They would hunt 200 dogs a night in their world hunt. And I took him, it was at Clay City, Indiana. And I took him to the world hunt, and I ended up getting in the final four. And I ended up in fourth place. And I was coming back through, and I dropped him off at Vincent Johnson's house. He had had a problem with his ear, and they were going to have to cut. He had he'd busted a blood vessel in his ear. And they were going to cut it open and cauterize it and stitch it back up. Well, when they put him to sleep to cauterize his ear, they give him too much medicine. They blew his heart up and killed him. And uh, during this time, that's, do, a do tough, what I, that's a tough way to go. Oh, man. It, it just, I mean, this was within a week of the world hunt. I mean, I'm just sick. You know, I, I now I'm, I'm dogless again. You know, I'd I'd had quite a bit of success with him that year. I'd won the West Virginia Hunters' Rights Benefit Hunt with him. You know, he was in the top five of the Prina standings at the time. And uh, so when I bought this dog, I'd come up and I'd met Gail Flowers. And everybody in the English world knows Gail. He's a legend, an icon. I, you know, I'm really lucky. I get to call him a friend. I get to hunt with him. He's He's been good to me. And uh, he's he's in his 80s now, and he still hunts four or five nights a week. And uh, I called Gail, and I said, Gail, I need a dog. You know, he knew what had happened. I said, where's something out of wildfire at? And he said, I've got one down here in a kennel that I don't want to sell, but I'll sell him to you. And I said, what is it? And he told me, and I'd done one hunting with a dog once. 
He had a dog out of wildfire called Seldom Seen Fire. He was a grand already. He was a four-year-old. And I come up, and we pleasure hunted two or three nights, and I went ahead and paid him, and I took him home. Um, to this day, he is still my measuring stick. I, he's the best I've ever owned. Big gear, great big mouth. When you could barely hear him, you had better get in your truck and drive. He uh, really accurate. I mean, everything Gail told me about that dog was to the T, and I owned him from the time he was a four-year-old. I buried him as a 12-year-old. Um, he, you know, he, he was good to me. He throwed some really good pups. He got me in the final, or the top 20 of three world hunts. Um, just a really good dog. I, I've been blessed, and if it wasn't for Gail, I wouldn't have got to where I've got to and all the work he put in. I mean, I, I don't know what I would have done without him. Well, I generally tell folks that you don't get anywhere by yourself, that you 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 may put uh, forth the effort, but there's always somebody back there that's giving you a helping hand and a push along the way and some encouragement. The, mm -hmm. So most folks, if they're a self-made man, they may have put forth the effort, but they had some help along the way. Oh, I guarantee it. Gail, Gail's a dude. If you don't want to know what he thinks, you better not ask him. Because <laughs> you may not like the answer, but you know this went on down and and he, you know Rock that was his name the seldom seen fire dog we called him Rock he uh, he got fifth in the Perina race and I, I raised some pups out of him one of them was the a dog called Red Sky Red Fire that I sold Greg Benefield when high scoring English male in the UKC World Hunt and he was also the National Grand Knight English at Autumn Oaks. And there was a female out of a different litter that that called Crane's Lucky Tess that ended up being, she won Southern English Days and was on the top reproducers list forever. Um, you know, that, that old, the old dog was good to me. He he really was. And, uh, you know, we went on. I, I had two more Grand Night male dogs out of wildfire. One of them was called Bud. He won National Grand English at Autumn Oaks. And we had another little dog out of the same litter, a seldom seen fire, but a younger litter, called Rocky. And I granted him, and he got eat up at Autumn Oaks. And after that, you couldn't hunt him in a hunt. And he was a three-year-old when this happened. I mean, just ruined him. Goodness. He didn't like strange dogs. He wouldn't fight, but a, a strange walker dog, if I, you know, if you let him buy him, he'd just growl at him. He wouldn't. He was just scared of him. I mean, he he got chewed on pretty good. I had a blue tick that was that way. He was he was he didn't like Walker dogs. He was he was scared of him. He got chewed on quite a bit when he was a pup. When, of course, I you know yesterday when we were talking, I was telling you about him and and we had that dog in way too many hunts, way too early. Mm -hmm. And by the time he was two, I had to take him out of the hunts and and just pleasure hunt him and i pleasure hunted him for about two years and and then i was able to put him back in and finish him but he'd go around he'd check every dog at the tailgate if everybody wanted to go hunting he was game to go hunting if they wanted to fight he wouldn't wait till they got to the tree <laughs> now this one wouldn't fight i believe he'd honestly run but he just he he just didn't want no part of the cast i mean he was just and a coon trier was what was bad you could hunt him by himself and, and he could tree any type of coon but you put something strange on the ground with him, it was over. Yeah. And uh, I always regret that. That was a waste and a young, good, a good young dogs I ever had. 
and uh, he come from Gale too. That was the one Gale had. I, he didn't really want to turn loose of, but he did. Yeah, well, you hadn't been coon hunting long, very, very long if you hadn't screwed up several. Oh yeah, yeah, and uh, this it went on down, and you know I them dogs all got old on me, and I got to looking for something, and I I'd kind of got I kind of got away from my breeding, and I couldn't find nothing that suited me. And you know when you're a kid. All you think about is going to the next hunt and winning the next cast. And I look back now and and, and I wish that I had, had had semen collected on them dogs. And I, I you know, that's a mistake I, I'll live with the rest of my life because my kids will never get to enjoy the benefits of them. Conkey's Outdoors knows that keeping up with the latest in hunting technology can be expensive. That's why they're proud to offer amazing financing options from 30 days, same as cash, to 0% interest for 6, 9, 12, and even 18 months, depending on your credit score and the amount you spend. If you've been eyeballing that new thermal or want to upgrade to the latest in tracking system technology, go find out more on the web at conkeysoutdoors.com or if you're in the Hastings, Florida area, stop by and visit. They'd love to have you. Conkey's Outdoors. Houndsman helping houndsman. But, uh, I mean, I wished I'd had them collected so I could have something out of them today. They, uh, As a matter of fact, the seldom seen fire dog is on the ballot this coming year for the English Hall of Fame. And uh, I really appreciate them putting him on there. Um it come down and, and I got a, you know, I didn't have any of my old breeding and then I wound up buying a half of a blue tick, believe it or not. A dog called, uh, Spring Hill Blue Jags. This was in 2004. And we decided that we were going to run the Perina race that year and we started at the Winter Classic and ran it headlong full through the year. And, uh, we won King of Hunt at Blue Tick Days with him that year. He was an Uchman bred dog. Uh, he was three quarters Uchman and a quarter Smoky River. I know you're familiar with that. Sure. And uh, he, uh, just a tremendous dog in a cast. Probably the best scorecard dog I ever got to hunt. Um, you know, I, I was competing. Slugger was going for his three-peat that year. Him, it was me, him, Moonlight Kate, Todd Matheson, and them guys. And, uh, you know, uh, they say that 2004 was the greatest Perina race that was ever ran. There was more points scored with the top three dogs than there ever had been combined. And uh, we we had a really lucky year. Um, Kevin Leach handled him for me when the hunts come north, and I kept him in the south. And uh, we ended up, we got to win King of Hunt at Blue Tick Days. He got second in the Perina race and got fourth in the UKC World Hunt all in the same year. I mean, just a real really blessed that year, you know. Um, got to meet a lot of good people and had a good time. And I ended up selling my half out at the end of the year back to Tony because they wanted to make a stud dog out of him, and that wasn't really what I was all about at the time. And, uh, you know, kind of kind of move on looking for the next one then. And I looked and looked and looked and looked for an English dog and could not find anything. Well, my buddies at the time had a Grand Night Blue Dog, called Misty Milliken's Misty Blue Ray. And I ended up buying a third of him. And we ran the 05 Perina race with him and ended up winning the 2005 Perina Outstanding Coon Hound of the Year with Ray. Um, you know, 
the Perina race has changed so much and, and it's not a, it used to be the, the hound that stood the test of time, you know, every, every region of the United States, every climate, you know, from winter to summer to spring, it really showed the test of a hound and who had the best dog. And it's kind of changed now and they've changed the way it's ran. I mean, it's still hard to win. Don't get me wrong, but it's, it's not what it used to be. Well, they've kind of revamped it the last couple of years. I've, uh, they have, and it's, it's a lot more similar to how it was before they went Mm -hmm. and and changed it a few years ago. Yeah. You know, it, it used to be the high, they, they give points from the, for the top 10 scores from a hundred points down to 10. And then they went to the cast win system where you got 50 points of cast win and 10 points for winning your category. Well, they went from that to where if you got 250 points, those dogs automatically drew together in a cast. And it kind of made it where if you own three dogs with points, you're bringing your own cast. Yeah. Well, that kind of sired me on it a little bit. And um, After 2005, I actually went hunting dog, went to hunting dogs for a guy that probably didn't live far from you, Jake Garner. Yeah, he didn't. And yeah, I hunted some dogs for Jake. I hunted a female called Saddle Creek Road Rage. Um, just several of those dogs, a female called Pearl. And I ended up moving from when Jake kind of slowed down. I, I went to hunting dogs for Delbert Hawkins. Delbert owned the PKC World Champion Tracks Attack, and he had a kennel full. I mean, you could go up there and pick a dog out and hunt a dog and a, a different dog in a hunt seven nights a week. And I, I'm going to say at one time, he probably owned 35 grand nights at the same time. Holy smokes. Oh, yeah, there was a kennel full, and he had like 10 handlers. And uh, I got I got saddled with two dogs that I was hunting, an English female called Main Street Slash out of Stanley Nichols Tree Spike Dog that I really enjoyed. She was fun, wild, you know, blow through that country, big mouth, big locate tree dog. I mean, she was, she, she was the epitome of what an English female I thought she'd be at the time. And, uh, but no, you never knew when you cut her what county she was going to tree in. <laughs> she had one heck of a set of legs under her. And, uh, and I had a, a little grand, a little, he, he had bought a registered walker dog, got a rat attack. His name was Looking for Lumber, the prettiest rat dog I'd ever seen in my life. Still mouth, didn't bark much on the ground, and, an excellent acorn, acorn, a dog in acorn coons. Jody Jessup told me he was the best acorn. They called this dog Yodel. Jody told me Yodel was the best dog in acorns that you'll ever see. And uh, I ended up, I got him, I ran him that year in the PKC race and ended up in the top 10 of the state and had a truck ticket on him. And uh, he did, I won a cast or two at the PKC Nationals. And we ended up taking, I took him to the truck hunt in Lula, Mississippi. You know, I'm just, I'm just a kid, you know, I've never been. And we get down there and, and, you know, this is an exciting thing to me. You know, they put you up. I'd never seen the likes. And uh, we ended up getting in the final nine of the truck hunt. And George Majors from Oklahoma beat me in the late round going into the final cast. And uh, I had a chance at the end to win it. I had a hundred and a hundred. He went on a failed tree. 
And I thought if I, you know, if he had a coon, I was going to be in the final four. Went in there and he was up a den tree that looked like a piece of Swiss cheese. And I beat and squalled. And I'll say this, George Major squalled. Everybody in that cast squalled. Nobody, you know, that was one of the best examples of sportsmanship I'd ever seen. They tried to help me get this coon out. And George Major's just sticking his phone up in there taking pictures. And, uh, you know, to this day, I, I enjoy drawing George. And, uh, you know, super good dude. And about this time, I guess, I, I started dating my wife. This was 2008. And we got married, and we had our first, my little boy in 2009, and I took a hiatus from hunting during this time. And I'm going to say it was 2015 before I started back. I was working night shift at the sheriff's department. And, I mean, you can't work thirds and hunt. It just don't work. Nope. And the, we were working two two days on, two days off, working 12s, and, and there is no – you can't have a life like that. I figured that out real quick. And so I, I worked that for a long time. Well, I finally got it switched back to where I could work days, and I was working Monday through Friday, 8 to 4. So uh, I went to looking for a dog, and I just was not having no luck. I, I don't know what happened during that time frame from the time I was out till the time I come back, but it just seemed like all the dogs, had, there was no track power to be found anywhere. I, I don't know what happened. I don't know if they changed them for the rules or I wasn't looking in the right place, one of the two. But it, uh, you know, I tried dogs and tried dogs and tried dogs. And I ended up, I, I know this is beginning to sound like a blue tick thing show, but I ended up hunting a dog hey, for I JJ. Get, I get it. I mean, I've been interviewing blue tick guys lately. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm an English guy. It's what's weird. I ended up hunting easily called tomahawk he was out of gauge and he he could tree layups and and you know i got him to the top 100 of the ukc world that year and jw um died of heart failure well his kids he had probably eight or nine ten dogs spread out with three or four people and his kids weren't hunters and they came they came to all of us when when he passed away and they said look we don't coon hunt we want y'all to keep the dogs you've got and you know, do you know? Keep on, keep doing what you're doing, Dad. That's what Dad would want. And I ended up with Tommy, and I kept him. You know, I let my buddy Travis Taylor hunt him till he died. And uh, during this time frame, my uncle Phil had decided that he wanted to start back hunting again. And we had bought. We went back to the well, back to Jim Ridges, and we bought a pup out of the second to last litter out of Briar Creek Crone. He was just eight or nine weeks old at the time, and and we brought him, we brought him home. And my uncle feels as good at starting a puppy as anybody I've ever seen. He he works on, you know, he'll start them on a cage coon, and then he's got some feeders set out. And when they can tree a cage coon, he'll transition them over to them feeders. And when they can tree an easy coon, you know, go hunting good enough to tree an easy coon on a feeder, then I get them. Yeah, when he, I'm more of a polisher, and when when he would get them to where they were treeing feeder coons or easy coons, and they would go hunting by themselves, then he he brings them to me, and I'll put the finish on them. And we uh, went to hunting him just by himself. He was it's this this little pup. His name was Woodrow. My uncle Phil named him. We had got him right after they had all those fires in Gatlinburg, you know, that destroyed part of the city and stuff. 
and, and they had come out with this this slogan, Mountain Tough. And it, they were had them on, they had it on stickers and all this stuff. When he sent his papers in, he became Mountain Tough Woodrow because that's where we lived. And, uh, you know, I think I started, I think he was 14 months old when we put him in his first hunt. I had him granted by the time he was 18 months old. And, I mean, he'd only been treeing coons for six or seven months at this time. And naturally independent, when I first started with him in the hunts, I was so frustrated. You know, in that country, they'll be if you turn them down the holler and somebody's got a coon feeder down there, that may be the only coon in that holler. It's and if you don't get a famine in it, yeah, if you don't get a piece of it, you may be in bad trouble. And he, you couldn't pour him on a tree with a dog on it. Just naturally did not want to be with a dog. And, uh, but where he would, where they would go to making mistakes, the leaves were off when I started, you know, hunting him in the hunts. And they would make slicks and he would tree coons. It would just seem like he would find that extra coon to win the cast. And, uh, we got him granted out, and during this time frame, I had moved to Indiana. And I had a little grandnight dog that I'd bought from Gail called Drifter, and he was the last dog that Gail finished to grandnight. I had bought him from Gail. And I was hunting Drifter up here, and my Uncle Phil would come up here and pleasure hunt, and he didn't know anything. Woodrow didn't know anything about corn. He didn't know about running the field edges. He just did not know. He didn't know how to hunt this country. And Phil said, I'm leaving him here. You've got to get him adjusted to all this, or we're going to be hurting when it comes time for autumn oaks and the world and all that. Well, he left him, and uh, I guess the rest kind of, well, is, you know, history. He died, you know, he, he stayed at my house till he died. He, uh, he transitioned really quick, and he actually became, he went, but he became an ambusher. He would run that edge, that corn edge, or that tree line, or that fence row, and that was his mo: get away from dogs, get treed as quick as he could. And he was really good at it. In his element, he was as good in fence rows and and patch woods and things like that, cornfields as anything I've ever seen. Um, we had a lot of success with him. Won a lot of cast, you know, uh, English days, autumn oaks, the world hunt. Um, we carried him to Autumn Oaks in two, in 21 and uh, had a really good cast on Friday night, scored 800 on four, got him in the Grand 16, and we go to hunt the Grand 16, and it just come a monsoon. It was me and Kevin Cable hunting a little bit of money, um, the country club dog and Matt Lingo out of big country, and a dog called Old Jake the Chandler boy from Kentucky. I mean, a really good cast of dogs, you know, final four of the world hunt stuff. And we went out there and it just monsooning and it had stormed and we never, we did, we had a dead cast, didn't, didn't have a cast winner. Well, and uh, yeah, that, that, that's a tough break. You know, you, you never want to see a dead cast, but you know, you, and you want to see the good dog work. It's just one of those things that happens. And during this time, Woodrow had contracted Lyme's disease and Ehrlichia at the same time. He popped positive for both of them at the vet. He, we were pleasure hunting and he just would, he was not a trailer, you know, it's not something he did. And he couldn't trail a track out, out of a 10 acre patch of woods. So we took him to the vet and he popped positive for both of those. 
we ran him through a course of doxy and then every three months we were treating him with antibiotics to keep it from coming back and it finally the bacteria had got into his brain and it caused him to start having seizures and when we saw the first one we took him to the vet and uh, he had 19 on that tuesday at the vet and they couldn't stop him and we had and they put it, and we, we went ahead and made the decision, you know, not to let him suffer and, and let them take care of him. And uh, it, uh, that was a hard loss. And it wasn't, you know, I really liked the little dog. He was a winner. Rock will always be my favorite to seldom seen fire dog. But it was it was the fact that he was what we, me and my Uncle Phil and Brandon had bought when my best friend, Brandon Gillum, he is what we had bought when when Phil started back, and and you know it brought us all back together hunting, and that was what made the lot, losing him so hard. And uh, it uh, we're still trying to replace him. I'm still dog shopping right now. I ain't found nothing that I like, and uh, not not that I can buy. And uh, you know I sat didn't have nothing to hunt, didn't have nothing to hunt, and I've got a a little dog that I got from Asa Briggs and Shane Cannon and Troy Shellhorn called Double Shot of Jack. Um, we've got him hunting him. And John Anderson is a really good friend of mine. He's a, one of the board of directors for the English Association, or he was, he was, he went out this year. And I got to know John, and I drew John a lot. And John, we talk on the phone, and John, he called me, and he said, you don't have anything to hunt, do you? I said, nope, not really, not not what I want, you know. And he said, uh, why don't you come out here and get bull? He, John lives in Nebraska, 14 and a half hours from me. He said, come out here and get bull and take him and hunt him for as long, you know, hunt him in the hunts, hunt him in English days, world hunt, autumn oaks. And the dog I'm talking about is Willow Creek bull. It's, it's John's grandnight stud dog that he got 11th in the UKC world hunt with. And I don't know. Many people that'll call you up and tell you to come get the best dog they own and take him and keep him. I just, that's the kind of friends that the sport of coon hunting has impacted on me. You know, I, if I never, never win another night hunt, if I never win another cast, the friends I've made that, that are lifelong, I wouldn't trade that for anything. You bet. I feel the same way. I mean, the, if I go to mentioning them, uh, I'm going to leave people out. You know, um, J.J. Callahan, Lewis Milliken, Aaron Lehmans, Jim Ridge, Chris Gert, uh, Shane Cannon, Asa Briggs, I, Troy Shellhorn. I, I just, it, the list goes on. I mean, I, my lifelong friends, people I talk to about every week, John, Keelan Anderson, and my kids, my little girl, She's eight. She eats, breathes, and sleeps coon dogs. She she would rather go to a night hunt and a bench show as she would eat. Plus them up. Yoder Nylon has long been known for producing the highest quality briar-proof products on the market. Now they've formed a partnership with Razor Hunting Gear to produce all of Razor's new hunting products. Razor has a wide selection of products from competition belts, chest rigs, strap vests, to hunting jackets. 
these products look as well as they perform. Razor Hunting Gear, designed by coon hunters for coon hunters. Razor Hunting Gear's newest products are now available for order. You can find a link in the description box below. She, I, and my wife says it to this day that she inherited that from me. My 12-year-old, he loves to go, but he only wants to go when kill season's open. And my 7-year-old, she loves the dogs, but she just wants to pet them. She don't care about hunting. But uh, I, I'm having more fun going to youth hunts right now with my 8-year-old than I, than I have in a long time. You know, if she wins a water race or wins a heat in a water race or wins a bench show, the, seeing her so excited, I, I'm good with that. Well, that's what it's all about. And the, you know, she's been she's done a really, a really good, a really good job. You know, to be an eight year old, she actually last year they had the Southern Indiana State Youth Hunt, and Woodrow needed one win to be qualified for the tournament of champions, and. Uh, I told her, I said, do you want to hunt? What do you want to hunt in the youth hunt? She said, I'm going to hunt Woodrow. I said, are you sure? She said, yeah. Because she always claimed she loves him, but she said he went too far. And uh, she ended up, we went down there, and she scored 400 and won the Southern Indiana State Youth Hunt and uh, uh, put the last win on him to qualify him for the turn and, Tournament of Champions, and that just tickled snot out of me. And, uh, you know, I, that was when he died it was harder coming home and telling her that than it was me dealing with it she didn't speak to me for three days oh no they, well I, I worded it wrong when i told her i said we had we let the vet put him down and i should have just told him that he passed away yeah she didn't speak to me for three days and uh, she she finally got over it and She's she's got a little dog she's hunting called willow creek jj that john gave her to hunt she's been hunting bull some but in the hunts and we i took her to the uh they have the they have this great thing in peru two weeks after english days every year called the kids world all around i don't know how many people you know i don't a lot of people probably don't know about it but they start with a bench show then they have a water race then they have a field trial and then they have a night hunt well, it's these kids get a point every time they enter a dog in an event. Well, if they win their heat or cast or their class in the bench show in the hunt, let me rephrase it. If they win their class in the bench show, they get an extra point. If they win their heat in the water race, they get an extra, or the field trial, they get an extra point. If they win their cast in the hunt, they get an extra point. And if they win the overall in any one of those events, they get a third point. Well, those points stay with the dog, individual dogs. That way they keep a tally of them. Well, at the end of the night, the kid with the most points is the youth world overall champion. Well, I took her, I took her this year and Natalie Drake brought a little female down for her to show and she ended up winning the kids world all around bench show. And she put two dogs that belonged to Mike's seats in the field trial and she won a heat in the registered part. And she won best female show, one of those. And but this little English female that Mike had brought, she'd accumulated enough points throughout the day that her and this leopard hound were tied for the lead going into the night hunt part of it. And they 
it was going to come down to if one of them won their cast and one of them didn't, or if neither one of them won, whoever had the best score was going to be the youth world champion. And we went out and she hunted the little English female and she ended up with plus points. She didn't win her cast, but she ended up with plus points. And the other, the little leopard hound, he, it was, he came in and, and he was the only thing that could beat her. And when he got back, he, he had minus points. And she ended up winning the Youth World Championship, the Youth World All-Around Championship. So to to this day, that is my biggest accomplishment, is her biggest accomplishment. It, uh, you know, I've been in three World Hunt Final Fours, the UKC once, the NKC twice. I've won the NKC Little World Hunt, and I've been in four of the top 20s. But her winning that Youth World All-Around, I'd give them all for it. That's what it's about. I love I love my little girls and my girls my boy and I love seeing her win. It just it tickles me. It uh, she gets mad if I go pleasure hunting and she can't go. It just kills her. And you know she knows she's not allowed to hunt during when school starts and school's going on. And oh, I'll have to wait till she goes to bed before I slip out and go hunt. Cause she'll worry and fret and stay up all night if I if she's not asleep before I leave. It, uh, I don't know, Alan. It, it, you know, this sport's given it's given me a lot, and I'd like to give it back. And I became the uh, they Terry, we, our vice president. He uh, he had some things come up, and for the English Association, and he resigned, and they called and asked if I would take over the vice presidency as an interim fill-in. You know, just appointed. Vice president, and this was like three months before English days at four. And I scrambled around and figured out what I had to do, and we got English days put on this year, and it went off really good. That Florida Coon Club now, they do a good job. They know how to get. They they was putting a hundred and thirty-seven dogs in the woods, and we had them drew out in twenty minutes. They they've had enough big hunts. They know what's going on. That's right. Jim Frederick and them guys do a good job. And, and I've got to, to uh, as as I filled in this role of vice president, I got put back on the ballot this year to, to fill to be elected as vice president this time. And James Chandler and my uncle Phil's the treasurer, and all the board of directors, and, and it uh, we've changed our website over. We've got a new website director. That that website, I don't know if you've been on it. It's amazing. They've uh, they've actually. We have an English Association Hall of Fame for the males and the females and then the bench show males and bench show females. And then we have a, what they call a lifetime. And that we give that once a year because you have to be, I believe it's 65 or 60. A, a group of your peers in the association, they take nominations and we vote somebody in to receive that award. Well, this girl has tracked down as many of those pictures of those Hall of Fame dogs and those Lifetime Achievement Award winners that she can find. She's still hunting for some of them, but she's got all of those on the website now. You can look at past English Days photo winners on there. I mean, she's done a phenomenal job. Well, Philip, there's going to be two or 3,000 people see this, so if you want to put out there which ones they're looking for, we get the public to help. All right, that... Uh, there's... I'll, I'll put it on my... I'll have her put it on my Facebook page, but it's... You can go to the UEBFA dot com that's united english breeders and fancier association 
and you can go to where it says photos, and, and they'll, there'll be a section of those. If instead of a picture of a dog or a person, we need that picture. All right. Y'all heard that, so get out there, and if you have any information on those dogs on his website and on his Facebook page, y'all send it to him. Um, so, you know, we've talked about how you started. We've talked about some of the things that you won and some of the things that you're most proud of. You know, what are, what are your goals going forward? Um, no, I've got a couple of young dogs that we're really excited about. I've got one out of the Wicked Vapor and Kermit Hester's, uh, hard time Bella female. She is the mother, the mother to Lonesome River Hobo and, uh, several, several good pups. There's two or three grand nights out of that first cross. And I've got a little pup here at my house that my little girl, he's five months old that uh, my little girl calls Trigger. He's out of Donnie Whitaker and Jason Webster's Blue River Bill dog. He's won the invitational in English days two years back to back. And Clayton and Dalton Brown's Blue River Missy female out of Jesse Lee. They're both doing really good. Um, you know, I, my, I guess my main goal, my, my, my goals in Coonhounds used to be I want to go to hunt and I want to win. I want to go to hunt and I want to win. Now, I want to hunt my own line of stuff, and that's what we're working on. You know, we had it with Woodrow and lost it, and we've had to start over. I had it with Rock and all them dogs and, and didn't know what I had. No, we're just, just trying to produce quality dogs. I've got a little female coming out of Georgia that, uh, as a matter of fact, she's double Jimmy John bred that I'm really excited about. I'm not perfect up yet. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> Uh, I'm glad you, I'm glad you're getting her. It's, uh, yeah, JJ trees them way up tunes like he does, and that's hard to come by. Yeah, and uh, I hope, I hope his little girl does it too. Well, she ought to, uh, her mother and her grandmother both are that way, but I, I try not to talk about mine very, very much on these things. <laughs> well, I mean, I, you, you know, You've done the work. You need, you know, you deserve the credit too. Oh, well, I appreciate that. Getting her started when she gets big enough. She's just a baby right now. That's right. She's still on mama. It's, uh, no, we, we've got some plans this year. Kennedy's, the Kennedy's wanting to run that uh, youth horizon series. It's kind of like the Perina race, but it's for kids. Yes, sir. And that, they accumulate points at the state youth hunts and regular youth hunts. And uh, she's got a pretty good start. So, I mean, she may not win it, but that's not the goal. The goal is for her to have a good time. Are you in the market for a new dog box and just don't know which one to get? That's why I encourage you to go check out GNR Cedar Dog Boxes, especially if you're wanting something different. GNR Sear Dog Box was established in 2016 when two avid hunters wanted a dog box that was affordable and great looking at that. They provide a high quality, handmade, lightweight box to the customers. They take pride in the fact that their boxes are fully cedar, which will last a lifetime in all types of weather conditions. Cedar also ensures your hounds stay a little warmer in the winter and cooler in the summer. You can find out more about GNR Sear Dog Boxes 
on Facebook. G- find them at GNR Cedar Dog Boxes or give them a call at 615-962-5266. They're located in Lawrenceburg, Tennessee, USA. That's, and, and the- that's true. Um, uh, we all, I think, need to take a step back and realize that we do this for fun. Yeah, I mean, it's not a job. Now, from the time I was 16 till I was 25, I'd have told you it was a job because it's what I did to eat. Yeah. You know, and, and when I hunted dogs for people, but I've got a regular 40-hour-a-week, 8 to 4.30 job. I, I'm not letting that get in the way of me having a good time. That's right. You know, I I would anymore, you know, I still go to the hunts, and I'm still as competitive as I was, but anymore i would rather load a dog up when it gets dark drive seven miles over here to my buddy paul jenkins's and go pleasure hunting with him and gail i i I mean that just i would rather tree coons and have a good time me too yeah you know and the older i've gotten the more it's become that way yeah and i don't you know i used to tell people if i just had to pleasure hunt i'd quit well now I'd rather pleasure hunt. So, you know, I think the older you get and you come to realize what's important in life that, you know, your goals and values change and what was once important is not important anymore. And I just, uh, my number, I get, you ask me what my goals are and, and I just want to have a good time and make sure the youth enjoy it. My kids enjoy it and, and I enjoy it, enjoy it for what it is. And not what you want it to be. That's right. That's right. It it you've you've got to do that. I'm we're getting they passed a new law this year in Georgia and they're on private land coon seasons open year round. Mm-hmm. And, and they're about to open up the state land here in a few weeks, couple weeks, and that'll be interesting. Um when the state land's open we get to hunt a whole lot yeah. of different ways. I my preferred way is out of a boat. And when it, with it being warm, I mean, your dogs get hot, you chunk them in the lake, they'll cool off. <laughs> oh, oh, yes, sir. We used to, right there where I'm from, Douglas, or in, in East, in Sevier County, Tennessee, Douglas Lake's right there. And we used to hunt Henderson Island by boat, you know, and hunt around the lake banks and had a lot of fun doing it. It, uh, you know, we go, we try to make a trip to White River once a year. And, and hunt the refuge that's always a good time i'm gonna make my first trip out there ever this year i'm it's excited the, about it the most beautiful place i've ever been in my life big cypress trees you know it, it there's nothing like it the me and brandon gillen went out there the first time i ever went out there was i was uh it's in 2000 i was hunting you know back in the day you had to hunt a uh, the zone that you were qualified in mm-hmm. you couldn't pick the zone you went to you had to go where your dog was registered and i was hunting a dog for lonnie smiley that owned rambo too and jim smalling and the dog was registered in arkansas so i had to go to texas mm-hmm. and uh, i'd went out to texas to the zones and and hunted that dog for them guys well come december the next year they asked me if i wanted to come out and hunt the the refuge and then go on and hunt the Battle of the Breeds in Oklahoma. And I said, well, yeah, that sounds like a plan. I didn't know nothing about the refuge. 
And uh, we ended up going out there, and you hunt off a four-wheeler, and they got these smart paths that you drive on. You're not supposed to drive off of the game board, and they'll find you. But uh, I ended up, we hunted, I hunted with Phil Davis from Arkansas that first night. Phil's a uh, well-known blue tick guy. I don't know how many coons we treed but that night. But in, in three nights, we ended up treeing like 65 coons. I was sick of shining trees. I bet. And we'd be done by midnight. I mean, twenty something a night. It was amazing. But you, you would have you have to get down there, and we would leave at like four thirty or five o'clock, and go down there and park where we wanted to start hunting at to make sure nobody got that spot. Yeah. But you know, in all the trips I've made down there, people talk about it being crowded and stuff. I've only got my dog off a tree with somebody else's one time. I mean, that place is a hundred to thousand. It's huge. It's huge, and it's it's a lot of fun. You ride, I mean, it, there's nothing to describe it. Me and Brandon went back and treated 37 in two nights, and we ended up having to come home. We were supposed to hunt four nights, and we uh, this is my second trip out there. It's just, I don't know. It's a lot of fun. It's it's a lot of fun. You really enjoy it. I know Steve Fielder and them go every year, and we try to go. It uh, you get to. It brings back, you know, we used to go to Georgia and pleasure hunt when I was a kid in my probably 12, 13, 14 years old. My buddy had a cabin down there. We would park down I It wasn't far from, from really far from you, I don't guess, but we would park one. Gillsville, does Gillsville sound right? Yeah, yeah, that's about an hour and a half north of me. The Gillsville is where I want to say it was. But we would park one truck at one bridge and drive around the section to the other side, park the, the you know, park the other truck there and we would hunt from one bridge to the next. And, you know, we had that cabin down there. You know, we had everything turned cooking and, and, you know, spent a week down there just having a good time knocking coons out during season and pleasure hunt. And we go to Arkansas out there. And rent the cabin, and we cook all week, and we pleasure hunt all night. It really brings back those childhood memories. You know, when I was a kid, we went to Georgia. It's just a lot of fun. And uh, it, uh, I've been blessed. I've I've had people. I've had some great mentors. You know, that took Ralph Moore and all these older fellows from the Coon Club that, that got to take me to Georgia and on all these different places. And, I don't know if, if, if I don't turn another dog loose today, I've been blessed. Yeah. I, I feel the same way. Um, you know, I'm, and I'm really, and truly, I, I'm a first generation coon hunter. Mm-hmm. My, my granddaddy did it back during the depression when he was little, but he never talked about it, uh, yeah. until I got older. And so my mama probably was my biggest cheerleader when I started because she was the one that had to take me somewhere to, she'd have to haul me and the dog somewhere to go hunting. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's funny you mentioned that, you know, when I was, uh, my grandpa died when I was, I don't know, 10 or 11 years old. My grandmother, well, my grandmother, I moved in with her because she didn't have anybody to stay with her, but she didn't live a mile from my mom and dad. And, uh, I remember the coon club was two miles from my house when I was a kid. And if uh, my uncle Phil or somebody wasn't going, my grandma would load my dog up, take me over and drop me off, make sure I had a ride home. 
and uh, she uh, she's always you know she'd always call and check on me in the middle of the night. It uh, my mom my my dad didn't coon hunt. My uncle Phil and my uncle Penny did, but not in the hunts. You know, not when I was hunting in the hunts when I was a teenager. And uh, but she I remember she used to haul me everywhere to the local clubs. And one old call, make sure you made it home. Oh, but uh, I don't know. It's it's been a it's been a fun ride. Oh yeah, I have no doubt. It sounds to me like you've been in the winter circle way more than your fair share <laughs> compared to me I at just... least. <laughs> but I'll, I know half the fight is is actually getting up and going. So. Somebody said I'd rather be lucky is good. I don't know who came up with that, but they were right. That, that's that's very true. I'd always that's what I tell everybody. I'd rather be lucky than good. But now I, I will say this: I, night hunts are not one on. This is my one piece of advice, and I tell my little girl this: night hunts are not one on Friday and Saturday. They're one Sunday through Thursday. That's exactly I said, right. I, I told her, I said, if you're not willing to get out here and put the work in, I said, come Friday and Saturday night, you might as well chalk it because it ain't going to You might get lucky and win a cast every now and then if you've got a good dog. I said, but you've, you've got to do your homework. That's exactly right. And that's the same way with, with anything in life. If you want to be successful, you got to earn it. That, I agree 100%. And, and that's and it kills me to tell her during school that she, you know, that she can't go hunting because I've done preached to her that hunts are one Sunday through Thursday. Yeah. That's when, that's when I tell her, look, Kennedy, I'll go work on the dog. You know what he sounds like. I'll do the work. You just be ready. That's right. And, but summertime comes, that's, and she'll meet me at the door. If I come in late, she'll meet me at the door with her light on. It's time she, to go. Uh, she, She's a pistol now, <laughs> but uh, oh, I I don't know. Alan, I can't think of anything else we ain't covered. Well, Philip, I sure appreciate you doing this, especially on such short notice. Uh, you know, when we were talking yesterday and you were saying, hey, you ought to, you know, would you be willing to do a podcast if I set it up with this guy and you started talking to me? I said, you know, I really ought to do one on you. <laughs> Hey, y'all, this is Tyler, your host of Coon University. I'm here to talk to you about extreme dog fuel. Whether you're looking for a 30 20, or a 22-12, they have any type of food that us coon hunters need. I'd like to issue a thank you to them for making Coon Hunting University podcast possible. So go to ExtremeDogFuel.com and find a retailer near you and give them a try. I love it. I've been blown away. I swapped to the 30-20, and I honestly hadn't looked back. I mean, I love it. I really do. And I encourage everyone to go over there to ExtremeDogFuel.com. Check them out. Find a retailer near you. Read all about it. You'll see why I swapped to Extreme Dog Fuel. So I appreciate well, you being available on short notice. And, and man, this has been a good conversation. Um, I'm I'm proud to do it, and and I'm looking forward to seeing you that puppy. Oh, I'm I'm looking forward to getting him out. We're going to give her a fair shot, and hopefully things turn out. All right. Well, I appreciate it, and thank you for doing it.
I really hope y'all enjoyed that interview as much as I did. If you like what you heard here, go on over to Facebook. Give us a like, at Coon Hunting You. Also, go to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating and a review. It really helps us out. And remember, if you need a new hunting light, do not overlook Superior. They make an awesome light, best customer service in the business. Man, their walking light and double red is the brightest I've ever seen. Use coupon code CHUPODCAST at checkout at nighthunters.com. You can find the link in the description box below this. Coon Hunting University is a product of Audio Hound Productions. Until next time, y'all have a wonderful day.